Welcome to the Totem Podcast. My name is Tim Irvine, and I'm here with Dr. Stacey Irvine. We are your hosts. Uh, Totem, for those of you who don't know, is a health, wellness, and performance facility here in Toronto, and we are happy to educate you about really good quality information because in the world of the internet, there is an overabundance of bad information, and we just want to help you, like we help our clients, cut through that bad information to, to great stuff. Um, should let you know that uh, we record in a live gym, so if you hear any banging or music or people grunting loudly, uh, it's just because they're working hard in our facility. And uh, we also have a great sponsor. It's called Totem. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks to Totem for sponsoring this that, podcast. That joke's going to get old soon. No way. You no, just, okay. just keep hammering okay. away we'll on just it. Keep it just gets it. funnier. <laughs> Um, and today, our first repeat guest is Dr. Tamara Kung, naturopathic doctor, and we are thrilled to have you back. Welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> Excited to be back. Uh, today, we are starting a recovery series uh, with the first uh, part one being uh, talking about sleep and its impact on recovery. And I think to start things off, we should try to understand what is recovery and, and how does it help us as humans. Mm -hmm. So recovery is a very generic term that most people are just touting here and there. But when we talk about recovery and its actual function is what we're looking to achieve is like full restoration of physical and mental capacities. And from an athletic performance or even a, um, a cognitive performance, you want to be actually excelling or achieving greater um, you know, outcomes after you've worked hard. You want the benefits and your recovery process to bring you up to the next level. So that's how we want to talk about like optimizing recovery. We don't want to just sit at flat line or baseline uh, for more. So this is you know one of the most potent forms of recovery is going to be our sleep, and we'll talk about all the details and the data supporting that. But I find it so funny, like. Sleep is such an under, underrated topic and something that the science is really trying to highlight these days in the past 10 years. But we work hard. We push hard in the gym. People are obsessed with nutrition and trying to like achieve all the gains. Like, yeah, I got to get my pre-workout in. I got to get my protein in so that I can get like all this muscle and strength and endurance. But then it all falls apart when we don't sleep. And so this is one of the funniest things is that We've grown up in a culture and a society that's really undermined the importance of sleep. And so I'm really happy to be talking about this topic and kind of reiterating um, that sleep is really what we should think about our superpower. It's kind of like our secret weapon to everything that we do. So this is one of the things that the Guinness World Record, I find this is a funny example. They let people do all kinds of crazy things in the world. So one of my favorite ones is they let a guy float up into outer space in a hot air balloon and free fall 128,000 feet back down to Earth, breaking the sound barrier with his bare body, something that space shuttles use special metals for, right? Oh my God. So Guinness World Record lets you do crazy things like that, but there's no allowance or tolerance for any sleep deprivation records. No one's allowed to even attempt that because wow. they deem being sleep deprived more dangerous to your health, more risky cause of death than jumping from a hot air balloon from outer space. So that really puts it in perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay, so I'm gonna preface my question um, with a little bit of history. 
So I'm thrilled that we're talking about this. Believe it or not, I did a big sleep project in my undergrad in kinesiology, which would be 1980. Don't. 19, don't do it. 1980. <laughs> oh, so in the early 2000s. 89, 1989 ish. Around That's when I was there. born. Yeah, right? Okay. <laughs> so I've been studying See? since you were born. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I did um, a study on. Circadian rhythms, circadian, circadian rhythms. rhythms, however you want to say that. And I found it fascinating. And then when I was doing my undergraduate in chiropractic college, there was a study that came up in one of our courses, and I believe it was pathology. And believe me, in those courses, I was sometimes very tired and I would have huge coffees and I wasn't paying the most attention. And then all of a sudden, this study came up, and it was the Kodak study. And it's from many, many years ago, and it's from the Kodak factory, and where they looked at the incidence of cancer in the group that worked the night shift compared to the incidence of cancer in the group that worked the day shift. And of course, you can imagine what they found is that it was many-fold increased in the group that did the night shift. And so I remember as a student thinking, well, of course, sleep is so important and it's so important to our health, but not just the things that we think about energy and recovery and all those things. It's so crucial to actually keep us alive because we know that people on shift work, there's also some really interesting research in the airline industry where there's actually a lawsuit because again, the groups that were regularly flying through the night and you know really messing up their circadian rhythms and flying through different time zones had also a very high incidence of cancer in those groups. And so they were circling back and saying, you know, the airlines are responsible for this and for our treatment and all of those things that they had to go through because of that. So there is a question in here. Um, so, so based on that and based on how um, detrimental we know lack of sleep is, what, like, what are your thoughts about that tie-in to essentially cancer and death? Like, what did you find? Mm-hmm. I know, I know, you've just been researching this because you're doing talks on it now. So, mm-hmm. tell me, what are some of the things that you found? I'm kind of interested into where the research has evolved. Right. So, how cancers can start or kind of proliferate in our body is when we look at the environment of our body system. The kind of environment that cultivates cancer is one that's inflammatory, right? And so we've talked about this before in our previous podcasts and talks. Chronic inflammation is basically a fertilizer for every chronic disease, things like cancer as well. Yeah. And so when we're sleep deprived, we are accumulating inflammation, right? When we are sleeping, that's the only time our body is ever healing and repairing and kind of flushing out lowering inflammation again because just the act of creating energy to live right creates a little bit of toxicity and inflammation and that's why sleep has been preserved for hundreds of thousands millions of years in every species that exists today because despite it being a very disadvantageous state of being um, we still need it for life as you said because that's how we refresh and clear out our system so that our body's not chronically bombarded by damage and inflammation that's gonna basically make all of our cells go haywire or every organ system start to fail brain uh, brain is a big one that's also coming up into 
light and its association with Alzheimer's and being sleep derived right. and mental health as well. Right? That's interesting that you tied in inflammation because I have never thought about it that way. And I like that. That makes it very simple for me to think about. I've thought about it as restoration and recovery, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't think about the inflammation piece, which really helps, you know, give you a good kind of visual of what's going on inside your body when you sleep. Mm -hmm. I went to another lecture a while ago where they talked about the brain during sleep and almost picturing that there's a full washing situation going on in your brain. So there's a couple of things. There's the pruning, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, kind of getting rid of all the extra information that we've brought in that we don't need. But then also like a full body cerebral spinal fluid washing Mm -hmm. that's happening while we're in certain stages of our sleep. And then obviously, if you think about it in a in a really kind of just fundamental logical way if you're not getting into those stages and you're not getting that washing mm-hmm. that's bad we we can think about it like what if we never washed our clothes that would be bad mm-hmm. right and our brain is a lot more important yeah. than our clothes totally so yeah, our, our oldest matt has not washed his clothes and he's been at university for a year and a half <laughs> He seems to be okay. But, He's going to bring back yeah. his piles of laundry during a Christmas <laughs> For vacation. Sure he will. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that's a really brilliant way to think about it. And physiologically, like our our brain opens up, like it dilates a little bit, and it flushes everything out. So how I like to imagine that is when you're sleeping, and only when you're sleeping, do the garbage p- trucks kind of come throughout the cities of your brain, right? It picks up all the trash and clutter, right? So that when you wake up, the roads are clear, you can get to point A A to B like really efficiently, smooth, no stress, right? But if you don't sleep enough and the garbage trucks do not come out, then you're getting piles of garbage in your city and like it's a mess. Like you're frustrated to move around the city. You can't get there efficiently. It takes a lot longer to be productive with work or you might get set off more quickly. So there's a lot of studies showing that your tolerance to stress, for example, uh, gets completely shot when you're sleep deprived, especially that last REM part of your sleep is where we kind of you know, put things into perspective and kind of help us balance our mood and our, our resilience that way. So clear your cities, like let your let your brain have all the garbage removed. Do that so laundry. That do that laundry, please. <laughs> well, and practically speaking, everybody understands what it feels like to have a bad sleep. I think the only people that may not are the chronically poor sleepers. They just always yeah. feel the same way and yeah. I remember a client of mine um, he was diagnosed with sleep apnea and he got a CPAP device mm-hmm. and he came in one day and he was like I slept eight hours straight and this is a person that would sleep five interrupted hours at best and he he was like I was I thought I was if the, I haven't done cocaine but it's like if I had done cocaine that's what it would feel like I was just I had so much in it. I thought like if I always felt this way oh my God, I could tackle the world. Yeah. So I think that that's a really, really good way to, for people to understand if you ha- normally sleep fine mm-hmm. and you have a bad sleep, you know that's bad. Right? You feel terrible as a result of it. Yeah, yeah. And you don't know until you get that good amount of sleep. And, you know, some people will tell me, Tamara, like, I don't need to work on my sleep. I get, you know, five hours a night and I'm like a powerhouse. Like they're killing it. They're super like, you know, they're doing a bunch of side projects on top of their projects and they're athletic and everything. And 
what studies show is, yeah, there are some people are genetically predisposed to survive on less than the required seven to nine hours of sleep, right? And those are very fortunate people because they get a little bit more time in their day to do things, which we, we all want. But the proportion of people who actually have that genetic change is 0.03% of the human population. Yeah, that was going to be my next question is like, (laughs) what kind of numbers are we talking about? Like, I know it's clearly not me. Yeah. Um, Like, I think you have a better chance of winning the lottery, maybe. Wow. (laughs) Than being one of those people. Than being one of these people. So that just goes to reiterate what you're saying, Tim. Like, most people are functioning at a baseline that's not their best, right? So I'm I'm not telling you, like, yes, you have to sleep seven to nine hours. I, I just want you to do an experiment. Like, be curious to see what it feels like and I ask my patient to do a test like I'm say you know go one week with seven hours as your baseline go the next week with eight hours and then go the next week with nine and see where you feel best right and so that's where you can find your sweet spot but if we don't intentionally give ourselves the time or space to just feel the difference we will never know and we'll live our entire life like not actually mm-hmm. feeling like we're on free cocaine. <laughs> well, well and, those, and those people that mm-hmm. you know genetically need less sleep, mm-hmm. if they have their full complement of whether it's five or six hours, they feel like I might feel when I have eight hours of sleep. Is that yeah, fair to say? Exactly. They're okay. fun- like functionally, their biochemistry is totally fine. Their markers of inflammation don't go up or anything. Okay. Like they're they're healthy. Yeah. And so that that's maybe something interesting for people to do as well mm-hmm. if they're unsure. Mm-hmm. Then, then go through that process that you talked about, test your inflammation you know, as you're going through them yeah. to, to get a sense. Like maybe you don't feel any different, but if some of those markers are yeah. uh, up because you're not getting enough sleep, that's a good objective way to find out. Yeah, and the blood test for that you can ask for is a HSCRP. So that's a chronic inflammation marker okay. that's more right. sensitive. That's great, that's super mm-hmm. helpful. Mm-hmm. In my book, there's a whole chapter on sleep, so you know that I feel very strongly about these things because it is a human instinct, of course. And there's is that a book called Your Better Instinct. It is called Your Better Instincts. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> Available now. <laughs> I told him. Sponsored by. I sponsored by Totem. Just gets funnier all the time. Um, one of the things when I was researching this that I found super interesting is uh, there's a quote from LeBron James. And of course, if you looked at a human being that really knew how to do recovery and how to put everything together and perform at the highest level possible for many years, like how many years do you think he's been playing now? He's close to 20. Close to 20 years in the NBA. And still top. Yep. which is pretty amazing too because you kind of see them up and then you know as they get older he's still very um you know substantial um influential player so his quote was very interesting because he's tried everything so and he said it doesn't matter all the normatech devices i use all the types of therapy i use he said i need that nine to ten hours of solid sleep to feel amazing coming into my you know next game or training situation and all of that and that is something that um because you know i'm coaching at u of t which with young athletes who are growing and we have the high performance situation going on at totem as well and and you and i have been involved in these conversations and i know you're doing a talk at u of t mm-hmm. next, week next week about sleep that when you're putting all this work into the training 
and we could call all of us, you know, athletes in the human race, essentially, that there's all this effort that we're putting in, but if we don't get the adequate sleep, we're really not getting the benefits from the work that we're putting in, you know, whether it's cognitive or whether it's actual training, which is what we're going to be talking with these athletes about. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I emphasize all the time. And so many of the athletes who are growing think that they need eight, seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Some of them get five. Like some teenagers only get five because their work demands of school and training are so much. And and those are the ones, of course, I'm treating them because they're injured mm-hmm. because they're only getting five hours sleep. Um, I like, I'm recommending to these athletes nine to 10 to 11 on the weekends because of the growing and the training. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so adolescents especially, like their baseline even for non-athletes is like nine to ten hours okay right? good. so yeah. what studies are showing is for every for example if you're a runner we're talking about the track team uh, yes. next week if you're a runner for every mile that you run you should be adding half an hour of sleep to that wow right so and for like the basketball players like that's why lebron probably sleeps nine to ten whereas yeah. the average adults like maybe seven but yes. he's training so hard that he has to tack on an additional yeah. half an hour for whatever period of intensity so yeah, that's huge. And when when you talk about athletes, like um, for basketball players, for example, like if they get 10 plus hours of sleep, their shooting accuracy goes up by like 19%, right? Wow. But if they get less than seven, it drops down to like 53%. Like it's, wow. it's insane how much sleep that's impacts your, your physical performance. And you, I feel so awful sometimes because these kids or these people are spending so much time training right they're grinding it out and when we don't sleep you don't you don't reap the full benefit of like that muscle gain that growth that only happens during sleep that strength is lost right yeah um and also the as you said the cognitive part i think people don't really pay attention to is like the the way you learn that muscle memory gets lost as well right because that's right do do you know uh, dr matthew walker yeah okay Mm -hmm. did you listen to this podcast on motor skill development no, I don't think I saw okay. that one. Too. So, so he's an expert in sleep, and he's got his own podcast. So, I listened to this um, episode, and it was all about motor skill development. So, he's done research on this, and it was sparked by this uh, pianist that he was talking to after a performance. This guy said, I, "I always struggle at night trying to get this piece, and then when I wake up in the morning, I can play it." And so this is the research was based on. So the motor, cool. skill, the motor skill development gets locked in yeah. when you have adequate amounts of sleep. So his, his theme was, it's not practice makes perfect, it's practice plus sleep yes. makes perfect. Yeah. And then he goes into the sort of the detail of what part of the brain they've watched mm-hmm. that actually locks this in. And it's always the sleep, it's the non, uh, phase two non-REM sleep that is like, basically in the morning close to before you wake up Mm -hmm. that is what locks it in Mm -hmm. and that's the sleep that gets chopped off right so you go to bed too late and you don't have enough time so you get up early or uh, you get up earlier so some of those people who are real high performers Mm -hmm. they go to bed at the right time but they get up at 4 30 or 5 o'clock to make sure they get their workout in and so it was really really fascinating um to hear this like this is if you're trying to do some physical thing better that sleep is really important in getting you better faster 
Right, and that's the the hard thing that we're hoping to see change in the future is the school start yes. times, right? For a, cu- kids. a couple have changed, right. mm-hmm. and it's really important. And now we have what's called late start probably once or twice a month, but it's only one day of the week. Okay. But it's a start yeah. at least. And yeah, that that is fascinating. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, so okay, so we're all in agreement here, of course, that we need... Would you you'd say eight to nine for an adult us, or for us seven to nine for okay. adults seven mm-hmm. to nine for us and let's go through maybe your top just your top things to make sure that we have a good night's sleep mm-hmm. so ideally we could wake up and not you need an alarm mm-hmm. that's how we can kind of really reap the benefits of that last phase of our sleep we mentioned um so having good sleep actually starts at the beginning of your day so this is where we talk about that circadian rhythm piece and and right now it's we are creatures of the light when you know when we go back to the very beginning of time every organism the biggest exposure we've had is the light of day and night right and so it is hardwired in our genes to be responding to this. And we're seeing really cool science on how light impacts different physiological changes in our body, right? So when we talk about syncing your circadian rhythm, how I want us to think about our circadian rhythm is like a conductor of an orchestra, right? So we've got all these organs and things happening in our body. And if there was no conductor that was keeping everyone in check, it would be like an orchestra where every instrument's playing like whenever they want, however loud they want. It would just sound awful, right? And so in our body, if that happens, it makes us feel like kind of like uncomfortable, unsettled, anxious, tired, like it's just not coordinated, right? So if we have a conductor that's on point, you know, and helping bring in the organs as they need to be functioning, we get this beautiful harmony this beautiful sound that comes out and that's what we want to do is we want to sync our circadian rhythm we want to sync up our our conductor in a sense and the most powerful way to start syncing up that conductor is daylight right so daylight is number one in terms of getting your circadian rhythm like on point so we we try to get daylight as soon as we wake up so i say get up and like open the curtains, right? Have your right. coffee by a window. A study show if you're within six feet of a big window, you're getting enough daylight okay, to trigger to that, that yeah. circadian rhythm. That blue light is what we need to, to start okay. our clock, right? Um, better yet, if you can go outside mm-hmm. and when you're outside, maybe go for a walk because movement is the second big trigger okay. of our circadian rhythm. So Tim, I know you go for a run in the morning, like that's excellent, right? That combines light and movement together it's a very potent force um and then the third big trigger is eating something right so having some kind of food starts our our clocks and internal systems as well so those are three components that you know having good sleep starts how um in the beginning of the day when we set that clock that yeah. circadian rhythm going and then what happens is we start the timer essentially for the rest of our day and as that timer progresses it tells our body when to produce melatonin that is our hormone of sleepiness or our hormone of darkness right so as we move throughout the day this melatonin starts to rise in our body and this is what signals to our body to feel sleepy around 8 9 10 p.m right and our own body's melatonin is a really potent force uh, a lot of people take the supplement melatonin, mm-hmm. which is really great um, studies show to help with you falling asleep. 
so to reducing the the onset of sleep but it's not so good the supplement at keeping you asleep okay there's still a lot of interruptions despite taking melatonin supplements but your own endogenous melatonin that you produce is of high quality and it helps you fall asleep and also stay asleep so ideally i would like us to be making our own melatonin to give us the best quality and duration of sleep so at nighttime melatonin starts to rise and if all goes well nothing impairs or blocks that melatonin we will more than likely have a really good good sleep that restores our body cognitive and physical health right unfortunately i'm just live- gonna say i'm ready for the list of what screws it up <laughs> it's it's all the things i like all to the do things. it's a, i'll keep it simple for you stacy it's just blue light okay <laughs> so blue light makes melatonin disappear like dissipate evaporates melatonin blue light blue light so so that's mostly oh is that screens every screen (laughs) tv included tv included phones computers everything and even overhead lights so if if we like this is a tough thing Mm because at night like and now it's dark here (laughs) at you know 6 45 p.m Mm -hmm. yeah so if we're out camping or farming yeah. 200 years ago we'd be going to sleep because Around it's eight. like it's dark yeah. right yeah. so we don't do that now it's not practical for our mm-hmm. society if, if i wore clear blue light glasses watching tv does that help with my melatonin no um so <laughs> sorry <laughs> Stories. that is not so what frank. i wanted to hear I well, I, no i that's a really good question though because <laughs> Blue, the blue light blocking glasses, I use them actually, but the clear lenses only block 15% of the blue light. Whereas the orange ones, I should have brought them in. I'm going to bring them to my talk. Uh, the orange lenses block 98% okay. of the light. So you kind of have to go Bono on us and, and okay. put on the colored lenses. Okay. Uh, because that's what's going to protect your melatonin best. What about right? blue blockers? That's a, that's a brand. Oh. And we're going to get them to sponsor the podcast. <laughs> I use Swanwick. Uh, they could sponsor us as well. I have no nice. idea if they actually do. What's the name of it? They actually nice. fit over your regular glasses. So they're like these huge... They're from the 90s, yeah. I swear. That's like awesome. our parents had Yeah, them. she'd know because she was in university in the yeah, 1980s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we all wear our glasses, like a blue blockers uh, on our talk next week? We, awesome. we should do a picture yeah. with it. Okay, I've got one, one last question. And it's sort of what are the practical things that people will feel differently if they get the right amount of sleep and i know we're not talking about one night mm-hmm. like you basically if you if you sleep well over the course of four weeks you should feel what much more patient kinder to mm. people that's a big one where you don't feel like you're getting so frustrated, frustrated. and yeah. overwhelmed so easily huh. so that's that's when i see a lot of my patients say like I feel way more like relaxed and Hmm. less stressed by the little things. It puts things into perspective. So I think that's a huge one that a lot of us need a little bit more of in our life. Yeah, totally. Um, The other one, right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The other ones are definitely like energy. Like I've got energy and motivation to work out. Right, like that's right. a big one because that's a that's a positive cycle that we can build. If you get good sleep, and that gives you energy to move more, right? Like that's just only going to bring Huge. you up even yeah. further, right? Then and it's going to help you sleep better, health. and yeah. you know it's just like right. great. Uh, so that's another really big benefit I see in in my patients. And then the last one is definitely like the cognitive focus and attention. A lot of people tell me. 
I can't focus or like I'm just so unproductive with work and and when you're sleeping like yeah you can look at something work on something and just like do it versus feeling like you're too tired or brain fogged to like execute well right interesting well I know that you know people athletes take steroids because there's not some magic to it it just allows them to recover a lot faster and work harder the next workout Mm -hmm. so if you're sleeping better you're going to be recovered better, able to work out harder the next workout. Still need to do it appropriately, yeah. but superpower, it will be beneficial. Like Tamara said. It's a superpower. Yeah. Okay, and it's free. One, yeah, it's free. I have one last question. Have you figured it out? Like, what, like would you say that with your glasses and, and with your routines, mm. do you, have you got it? Like, I've, it's got, it's been a journey. Okay. It's been a, it's been a journey, but uh, how I do as I do like a three, two, one kind of thing. So, I stop eating three hours before bedtime. Okay. I like I, my bedtime's around ten thirty. Okay. Right? Um, and then two hours before I put on my blue light glasses, or I'm okay. screen free. Okay. That's ideally, right? Yeah. If I have to do work, I'll put on the glasses. Okay. Uh, and then one hour before bed, I usually start doing like one thing, like either reading or chatting with my family, or, you know, just crochet. I crochet. At I night. love that. Um, just, yeah, so do I. Actually. <laughs> no, what are you no. making right now? Uh, a doily. <laughs> I can't, can you make a doily starting table? Yeah, I'm, I'm working on a doily. Yeah, would be good. Oh, I love that. We would like yeah. absorb <laughs> the sound of us hitting the table. A big doily. Maybe you two partner up yeah. and you work. We're gonna form a club. Um, yeah. We're gonna do a little community crochet, crochet um, because so yeah, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty busy. I'm not gonna be able to make it. Yeah. I don't so. know. Okay, so the one, there's two things I would say uh, that I really want to help bring into the totem community, especially is. Um, helping people with sleep is hard like a lot of people have anxious thoughts they have you know Mm -hmm. there's like a lot going on there's a lot of stress so it is really hard I get it but when we have community that's been shown to reduce the time it takes for people to fall asleep because you know we've had this um, amazing speaker Pete Bambachi come in when we are lonely when we don't have community our body physically goes into hyper vigilance mode like yeah, it is so ramped up because we don't feel safe, even yeah. though we are in our yeah. modern life. But we we have this biological carryover for hundreds of thousands of years, where if you feel lonely, you are stressed. So you right. cannot sleep automatically. Well, automatically. So community, crochet community, uh, is is really huge. Or just feeling connected to your people is one of the best things I think people can do to, to help with their sleep as well. I love that. It's I think about things like we just had a dinner party for our birthdays uh, on Saturday and we played games and things like that and we all laughed a lot and I think of nights like that, don't you agree that you go to bed way more relaxed? And then I joke with my friends, like we said, we wake up with a smile on our face and that's a hundred percent in my opinion because we had all those good hormones because we were connected for a long period of time we ate together so we felt the community versus me on a weeknight when i'm watching like scary shows <laughs> and then i come up <laughs> and i'm i'm locking the doors and i'm checking the doors that many times awful. right <laughs> so stupid but i do it but it's a completely different feeling which and i'm sure my sleep on the nights when I'm with my friends and having fun is so much better. I know it is. That's fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. This is uh, uh, very educational. Always learn something when we talk to you. And uh, part one in our recovery series and part two, we're going to be talking about nutrition. 
which is great, and we'll continue helping people understand uh, how to recover better. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. And we we like to dance.